Hello and thanks for tuning into the selection show. I'm Ian Heath, the news editor of CityWire Selector. Now, 2024 has been billed as the year of the polls with a record number of elections being held around the world, culminating in perhaps the most important of all towards the end of the year, which is a US presidential election. Today, I'm joined once again by Mike Coop, Morningstar's chief investment officer for the EMEA region, to discuss what sorts of things investors need to think about and what could be a politically turbulent year. Mike, first of all, what do you think are the key elections that investors need to keep an eye on this year? Hi, Ian, and lovely to, to be back. Uh, yes, it's going to be um, almost an election <laughs> every month. In some cases, several elections in one month. Yeah. Um, and I think for investors, it's really important to have a way of putting this into perspective. So here's how we think about it. So let's start, you know, we, we run multi-asset portfolios for clients. That's their life savings. And embedded in those portfolios are things that, are diversifying. So when an event happens, some of those assets will benefit, possibly some will not benefit, but there'll be a balance. So as we start to think about elections, we want to think of it firstly in the context of you having a diversified multi-asset portfolio, because uh, that um, already insulates you from any shocks to a degree. The second thing is when we think about investing, um, we need to distinguish between what's important and what's not important and what's knowable and what's not knowable. Mm. So in that context, important are things that are going to affect the cash flows of investments. No. And they're going to affect the riskiness of those cash flows and the investments. So that's one thing to bear in mind. So when we think about elections, we should think about that. Yeah. And then the second is we should think about, okay, what's knowable and what's not knowable. So if we just reflect on the last five or six years, or even before that, Trump getting in the first time, mm. Brexit, the invasion of Ukraine. So there's plenty of instances where pundits didn't forecast what was going to happen. And with politics, you've got to be humble about your ability to know with any significant chance of being right what's going to happen. So so we'll be, as we go through this, we'll, we'll look at conjecture, but we have to bear in mind that if I'm thinking about, let's say, an oil and gas company yeah. and its cash flows in the future and how oil behaves and people, the demand they have for oil. I can, from that information, have some idea of what the cash flows might be going forward over time and the variabilities of those. I've probably got more ability to get that right than I have who might win an election and what policies they might choose to change once they get into office. So just, just bear that in mind as you think about the views you have on politics and what you do about that as an investor. So that's the broader context. Be sure, humble about sure. forecasting what's going to happen in terms of, of uh, who will win and what they will do and put it into perspective in relation to how will this actually affect as a single factor the cash flows of the asset at risk compared to all the other factors mm -hmm. which are always going to play out. So that's a general framework. Yeah. I think now as we then look at the year ahead, we go back to that fundamentals question, which is basically, will a change of government lead to a change of policies that will be so consequential mm. that that will affect the cash flows or the riskiness of those cash flows for the ACL, which are basically shares, um, government bonds, corporate bonds in the main and some real estate. So as we think about that, for many of the elections, either the incumbent is going to be... Uh, most likely to be the candidate that wins. I'll take as the most extreme example of that, 
Russia. Uh-huh. And therefore, the effect of the election on the future is probably pretty small because it won't represent much of a change and we can be fairly confident of that outcome. Yeah. For the others, um, when you get incoming changes of, of administrations that are impactful, um, it can often be in countries where those um, there are very few constraints on the politicians so they can make fundamental changes to the way the country runs, the economy runs. Uh-huh. Um, or circumstances are very extreme and they uh, put in place uh, a big change in policy direction. So as a starting point, for most of the countries we're yeah. talking about that matter, they're not um, they're not really situations where a dramatic change is possible or is likely. Um, and those countries, many of them are fairly insular and unlikely to affect many others. It's the politics around how countries engage with each other that will be important. Yeah. If we if we do zero one of the ones that are of more interest to us sitting here in yeah. the UK, so people might ask the question, well, what would it mean if there was a change of administration here in the UK? How would that affect the economy? How would it affect uh, markets? What should I do about it? So what you'll have noticed is uh, much like if you were at a, picture yourself, in a, you're sitting in Texas in a shooting range. You've got a gun up and you're looking at this target. And the target, as you look at it, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller for you to shoot at. Well, that is one way of describing the Labour Party's political commitments, where they're clearly trying to make those commitments fairly small and the degree of difference of those commitments with the existing government quite small as well. Mm. So they've portrayed themselves as unlikely to be making dramatic changes in economic policy, which leaves us needing to think, well, that's what we know today. What might they actually do once they're in office? But but the mood music so far and the general direction is no dramatic change, uh, either in taxation or policy that would really affect the cash flows of UK companies. Uh-huh. Um, they're could be some personal taxation changes and, you know, um, that remains to be seen what happens there. Yeah. Um, and that's a matter of sort of personal financial planning as to how that affects individuals. So the UK doesn't look as if it's on the cusp of a dramatic change in policy because the party that's the opposition is very different from the party that was in opposition, you know, six years ago. Okay, on that note, could I ask you about the country where important country where people do feel things which are polarised, which is the United States. We've got um, kind of two very different characters and um, perhaps um, not ideal choices in, in, in either regard, uh, many people would say. But is it a different scenario in the United States where we are going to sort of get something drastically different depending on which way the polls go? And it looks quite tight at the moment. That's a really good point. You know, there is a greater degree of difference on offer. Although, again there is some uncertainty about if there was a change of administration, exactly what would really change. Um, when when um, there was a new person in the White Office and how they would respond to the situation they found around them. Don't forget also, in the case of, of Donald Trump, because he was previously in office, the extent to which he's a surprise and what he's likely to do as a surprise is different to how it was before. So some of the policies that he put in place actually have been uh, kept in place 
So the tariffs and the restrictions that apply to Chinese import yeah. um, were kept in place. And in fact, um, some of those policies were uh, added to in terms of um, reinforcing America's competitive position at the cost of other countries. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act actually is a very pro-America policy when you look closely at its um, how it's encouraging investment to the U.S. and where that money is coming from. So to some extent, um, the degree of difference on many of these policies is less than you might have thought, mm. partly because the, the Biden administration hasn't trump trumpeted some of these elements that they've inherited and quietly kept in place or added to in relation to America's trade position. Mm -hmm. um, so if we then think about the different dimensions of what it would mean for you as an investor of, say, a portfolio in terms of a change of administration. So there could be a change in how America um, engages with the rest of the world. Uh, last time that happened, we saw more friction with Europe. Yeah. Um, we saw more friction from a trade point of view with uh, the countries that export the most to the US and don't import that much like China, mm -hmm. even Germany. So that would... Um, appear to be something that would be expected to, to come back. But again, some of those things are already there. There's been talk about punitive 10% tariffs on certain countries mm. as a policy. Um, so that would be a slight um, further move in that direction from where we are today. On the, uh, in terms of alliances, um, we have already seen... Um, the galvanizing effect in Europe of the Russian invasion of the Ukraine uh -huh. and uh, um, what will be the broadening of, of NATO to include um, Finland, Scandinavia, and, uh, Finland and, and um, Sweden. Sweden yeah. uh, uh, so we know that also Germany is committed to spend more on its military budget, quite a lot more. And so has Japan. So there's been... Uh, over the last few years, quite a significant change mm. in how countries are funding the military and the amount they're spending and the, ex the existing conflicts that have increased in scale. Mm -hmm. So to that extent, some of those echoes of the, of the prior Trump administration around course, yeah. requiring 2% to be spending, et cetera, you know, the world's a bit of a different place from what it was when that came through. So externally, I think there's forces already in train that suggest, you know, um, some of the impact will be less, but we don't really know how that would affect the most important relationship of all, which is US-China. So that's the one that we need to focus on. Right. And even the existing administration has um, taken things up to a point where, where there was potential for, for conflict, um, particularly in relation to Taiwan, and has backed away from that. So we're not really talking about a situation that's all that different from where we are now in relation to that. And those sort of things, you know, are what cause people to become concerned about their future and flock to safe assets. Mm -hmm. So that's one dimension. I think in terms of the domestic economy, it remains to be seen. We know that last time around there were significant tax reductions. Mm -hmm. um, and that would... Well, that's also something which, if you go to Donald Trump's website, yeah. you can see that he is indicating he would want to do again. Um, so 
I think on those things, you know, stimulating the economy in a pro-business way uh, accords with how um, the Republicans and how Donald Trump have articulated their views at the moment. Uh, and so actually, if you're going to get, go down that path, you, what you're really doing is providing a short-term stimulus to the economy. Yeah, you mentioned that, but I think what's interesting, and people told me last year, well, a lot of people said during the um, collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the ensuing mini-banking crisis that we had, that was um, policies introduced during uh, Trump's previous regime, which kind of caused that. He deregulated the regional banking system. So, okay, maybe you're kind of getting that short-term boost, but there are kind of these inherent longer-term risks there. That's that. That epitomizes perfectly <laughs> the thinking, which is really, I want a short-term boost, a kicker, and I'm not going to think long-term. And the further I go down that path, the more I'm going to allow risks to build up. Um, the really uh, big test won't be evident um, until we've had a change of administration and we're quite far through that next administration, which is testing out all of the checks and balances and control. Mm. So that's the biggie because that then has pretty significant implications for rule of law. It has implications for many other things around um, the U.S. as a place to invest and what experience you and the rights you have as a foreign investor. But we are a very, very long way away from that mm -hmm. as things stand today. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, again, back to that, that, that point about being humble about what is forecastable. What we can say today is that, is that you know, there would be efforts made to stimulate and support corporates, most likely yep. by reducing tax. Yep. Um, and it remains to be seen which of the subsidies effectively provided in the Inflation Reduction Act will be changed because they've had a really big impact. Mm -hmm. um, there's been mention made in relation to the energy sector and the desire to, to have more uh, fossil fuel investment. Well, this uh, is a big thing in the US. Really? So that's right. So it's, it might be a case that there's specific industries where there's some impact at the margin on that. Yeah. Um, uh, also, well, how healthcare costs are managed and controlled or the effect that has on some of the pharmaceutical companies, for example. So some of this will be more um, industry-specific, company-specific, um, depending on how things play out yeah. with this more general uh, kind of pro-corporate uh, theme to policymaking. But the other element is the way in which decisions are made and whether we would see the same pretty chaotic um, uh, approach to running an administration, mm. uh, making decisions, um, mm. not thinking things through, having to then change them. Um, so those are the things that um, would have an impact. But if you look at the last um, period of office, you know it didn't really flow through to the way the markets behaved or corporate profits behaved. So those things sometimes can get a lot of attention, but often don't have that much of an impact on investors. Okay, it's interesting. And the point that people make to me a, a lot is like, well, we have this separation of powers in the US. You can, everything's got to go through Congress, it's got to go through the Senate, then you've got the, you know, the legal system as well. So I suppose that's what makes it kind of a stable country at the end of the day. Um, moving on, Mike, um, are there any other kind of elections you'll keep an eye on in the, this year in particular? Um, no, there, there isn't the, the, um, the elections that we saw in Brazil and, and Argentina were quite significant and quite meaningful yeah. in terms of 
you know, big economies and big countries um, and changes in policies there. Um, so we'll wait to sort of see what happens. But I think it's fair to say that the US is probably the most impactful. There are some elections within the EU as well, mm. but it's the US for investors that probably matters most. And will the Russian election matter at all? Um, well, if you ever believe there was democracy in Russia and you, you felt that there should be a change of office, then probably you would. But I think most of us would see that as a country where there, that there's not really a democracy as we would know it. Um, and so there isn't really an election that's free and fair. Uh, and so this is not really about uh, the will of the people. Uh, it's really about more about maintaining a dictatorship. Okay, sure. Um, now, Mike, I know you like to kind of look at historical matters, and and, and um, I was just wondering. I mean, could you tell us? Has there been any kind of significant events politically in the past which have had um, a strong impact on markets, which you which you could you could talk about? Yeah, there was. It's it's um. There's a couple that have been pretty striking. The first is probably. Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he was elected and so what he did was he, he first of all took um, he took America off the go the, the gold standard mm. um, and he instituted quite a significant change upon ease basically ease monetary policy mm -hmm. had massive fiscal spending yeah and that um, provide pro, uh, along with the support provided to the banking system and then eventually things like unemployment benefit helped pull America out of the Great Depression. Okay. And the Great Depression had, you know, a, a catastrophic effect on the economy mm -hmm. and a catastrophic effect from an investor's perspective. Um, anybody with um, shares or, or real estate um, lost almost all their money. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and if they lent money to, they didn't get that back either. So it was, it was um, one of those periods where uh, there was really nowhere to hide. Um, so... Those policies that he put in place turned things around um, and dramatically affected the fortunes of the country, um, investors, and other countries as well. So that's one example yep. of a very dramatic impact of a change in office. In the late 70s, you saw a change in economic policy making and thinking that flowed through and showed up here in the UK as well. Mm -hmm. So a move to effectively deregulation. Yeah. Um, reducing the government involvement in the economy and also reducing the power of, of labor. Yeah. Uh, so those policies were pretty impactful. When you're a small country like the UK is, then you can have a certain impact on your local economy. But if it's an open economy, then it's the big powers that really matter and what they're up to because that's really going to dictate a lot of what happens to your economy. So that theme of deregulation was um, adopted around the world by quite a few countries at the same time mm -hmm. because policy making is a bit like fashion. Right. People um, decide at the same point in time that a certain idea uh, is worth implementing. And so certain policies become fashionable. Uh, but I think that late sort of seventies period, particularly for the UK, was pretty impactful in terms of what followed, um, and the you know the the flag bearer for that in the UK, of course, was Margaret Thatcher yeah. and the policies that she implemented here. Um, 
So that is an example where a big shift in policy um, occurred, which did have longer-term effects. But the effects, by and large, of elections for investors, there might be a short-term effect in people how people anticipate elections beforehand. Mm. Um, in in the run-up, there's some uncertainty as to who will come in and what they'll do. Yeah, and um, people don't like it. So there's a bit of discounting, a bit of avoiding markets there. Yeah. Um, but it's highly unusual for there to be any announcements which dramatically change the fundamentals of the cash flows or the riskiness. Uh-huh. And so it generally, you know, it's just going to be one of a number of factors that doesn't dominate and doesn't last. It's only really if the policies start to really change the outlook. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's usually not evident um, until they've been in the office quite some time. Uh-huh. So it takes a while. So it's one of those things that, you know, there's not a lot to be gained from trying to read the tea leaves about what will happen and how to position yourself for that. Mm-hmm. Because often when people get into power, they'll do things differently from what they thought they'd do beforehand because they didn't had incomplete information about mm-hmm. the state of the finances, what was really going on, mm-hmm. and then events occur that they need to respond to. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe just one thing to ask you. I, I, I suppose Summer recently said that perhaps one of the risks this year is the fact because there are so many elections, people are going to be concerned with that rather than dealing with, um, let's say, sort of international issues, which are very important at the moment. Does that concern you at all? Well, international issues have a way of forcing themselves upon you. Yeah. Um, and whether it was the um, Putin's invasion of the Ukraine um, and what that immediately meant for Europe, um, there had to be a response. There was an awareness of um, how that could play out in terms of of uh, their own safety. Yeah. Um, and the um, uh, the Hamas attack, and then and then the, the conflict in Gaza. Similarly, uh, so when you get um, those sorts of very high profile events happen. I think everything gets dropped in terms of you just have to deal with it. Now it could be that it happens at a time when you, when your um, key decision makers are are distracted. But for for most well-run economies, there's enough um, support around the key decision maker yep. um, and decent uh, civil service that will provide advice as to what to do. Um, and then you'll also have the influences of other governments who will also be negotiating to have certain things happen. So I think even though you could say people will be distracted, I don't think that for major events, it will have any effect. Okay. So the key message here is, um, don't be too concerned, but keep your portfolio diversified, be a little bit mindful. And if there are any positive policy changes, they'll take a while to happen. So I think, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a, a really great summary in, you know, the way we think about it is. You know, the multi-asset portfolios that we run are designed to try and have diversifying positions because of, of there is uncertainty yeah. and you want assets that can behave in different well in different economic and, and, and market environments. Um, we also look for things that can diversify us better than that within equities, within fixed income and currencies. And in this environment where there is a degree of uncertainty and there's not a lot of really cheap assets, mm-hmm. it's important to be focusing on risk management and trying to preserve capital while taking opportunities. So actually, when you do have 
situations that arise which markets might take fright of, it's often um, those who've got some cap capital aside who diversified their portfolios and they've held it well who can then take advantage of any panic selling that happens. Because often things that people worry about don't yeah. come to pass. Um, and it can provide you uh, with some, some pretty good uh, high return opportunities. So we don't know what, we don't know what the year will bring. Yeah. But you know, equally we've tried to design portfolios that be able to handle that. Um, and we think it's a time to be very focused on risk management, not just return maximization. That's super. Okay. Well, Mike, thanks very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you.